Hey, hello, I'm Ange Miller, artist and passionate creative. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to my podcast. It is my joy and passion to remind you of your unique creative value and voice and empower you to your creative unfurling. Because now more than ever, we need to spread a creative contagion that lifts us to our feet, beckons us to spread our wings. The thermals are calling. So whether you feel ready or not, this is what you're built for, my friend, because you are actually the art. Hello there, episode eight. Oh, I hope I've got that right. <laughs> it's so good to be here. Um, It's been a while because, well, yeah, it was end of year and then the beginning of the year and and then I got sick. Um, yeah, so kind of trying to catch up on everything. And that took a while too. And I'm still not quite there, but feeling so much better. And yeah, really excited about the time that we're living in. Not that it's easy, you know, and I think this is an important uh, aspect of of difficult times and struggles and there's certainly so much distraction and pain and suffering going on in our world um, that it's difficult to know how to proceed. It's difficult to know what to focus on, you know, especially when these things are happening far away from where you live, you know, yeah, it's difficult. But I just wanted to remind you how precious you are, how precious your soul is, how glad I am to have this moment just to connect with you. And I hope that, yeah, I hope that my ramblings gift you something today as they do me. So I wanted to talk about the Victor Pinchuk quote that I posted on my Instagram last night. And I've posted this several times before. It's one of those quotes that I think is really important and I like to post it regularly, not too regularly, but, you know, just probably two or three times a year it'll pop up. It is art, freedom and creativity will change society faster than politics. And you know what's interesting about Victor Pinchuk? I had a little Google of him, which I hadn't done before. Uh, I just resonated so strongly with that quote and that was enough until now. Now that I'm going to be talking about it a little bit more, I wanted to find out about this man and try to get a feel for where he was coming from and just see how that would help me to unpack it just with the way that I feel when I read this quote. And, yeah, so interesting because Viktor Pinchuk is a Ukrainian billionaire businessman who married the daughter of the second president of Ukraine. Uh, So... This very wealthy businessman also loves to collect contemporary art. And 
He is cited as saying, it's very important to turn Kiev into one of the main centres of contemporary art in the world. There is New York, there is London, and there will be Kiev. Everyone will come and say, wow, (laughs) isn't that beautiful? (laughs) Yeah, I think... It's uh, really interesting reading this, especially at this time where, you know, there's so much going on over in Ukraine. Um, it's it's hard to even uh, comprehend, you know, what life must be like. And for this man to, to come out with such an extraordinary quote, art, freedom and creativity will change society faster than politics. Well, how does that make you feel? You know, is there anything inside of you that that resists that quote, that kind of questions it? Well, really? Is that really true? Because we're, we're raised to believe that it's all this left-brained kind of function. You know, all this left-brained brain stuff, um, yeah, schedules and structures, um, rules and laws and things that are going to help society be what we think is good or beneficial uh yeah just think on that for a minute and and inspect that inside of yourself because this is really the main point that I wanted to make is that it's not that art itself or you know, having a having a contemporary art capital in the world um, in Kiev, it's that that's not necessarily it. That's kind of a a product based way of looking at it. What it is is the value system. When we value expression and we value energy, we value the people who make a point or a priority of channeling this, channeling this energy, studying this energy, refining their expression of this energy. There's something very powerful happens to a person when they do this. And I know for sure that every single person is creative. It might not be in the same way, but we are created to create. There's there's a clue there. And I've seen time and time again in my life and in the lives of people who I coach or people who um, are in my membership or classes that things tend to improve, not necessarily circumstantially, but on the inside of them, things improve drastically when they start to focus on creativity. Because creativity helps to bring a new set of values which are more constructive, more merciful and heartfelt and soul-valuing. And we can't help but start to unfurl in a way that's more natural to us, more specific to our unique individuality. And the best way I can describe it is that it enables us to unearth and refine what is most valuable inside of us, which 
This is so important because people that don't understand the value, the extreme value of what they have inside of them, tend to feel disconnected from themselves, disconnected from people. Uh, They question their value and, well, it feels obvious to them that they don't have value because, uh, yeah, there doesn't seem to be anything to contribute. Like they don't feel like they make that much of a difference to other people. And that that might be true to a to a degree. I think lots of times we're way more harsh with ourselves when we're looking at ourselves and what our value is. But when you don't understand what that deepest part of you is here to say, then you're not going to be functioning in that right? You won't be pouring out of that place. And this is really what it's all about. I know that with myself, with my journey, I just really was hoping to be a full-time artist that was selling art for enough, you know, enough money to be able to just be doing that, you know, and doing well at it. And I had no idea that deep inside of me um, was this other function of helping other people to connect with their deepest part, with their soul, with their creativity, um, connect better with each other because it's all the same. And when you start to understand what creativity is, it's incredible. You start to see that it's actually foundational for everything that is alive. Creativity is foundational for everything that is part of this experience on earth. It's a way of perceiving energy and, yeah, values. What's what's going to help and what's not going to help? That's where I would start with analysing values. What should I focus on? And understanding this is really important. If if you come to paint and you're focused on coming out with something impressive that is going to sell, then there's a lot of pressure on you in the process. And chances are you're not going to do very well in process because of that pressure. So, so this is a value that is not beneficial for process. So to value process to value that freedom, the opening of yourself to become a channel for the divine in process, to collaborate, and this is what I call flow, what lots of people know as flow. When you're in flow, you are having an extraordinary experience channeling divine energy and collaborating with it. And it's almost like you can't take credit so much because you know that um, you were just a vessel for this, for this extraordinary unfurling. I was just here doing my thing and I got into a headspace where I completely forgot that I was even a separate person or, you know, you just kind of forget everything. You're just so uh, absorbed in this experience of channeling, of just moving freely 
uh, being curious, wonder, awake in wonder. And it's almost like you're observing yourself in action, you know. (laughs) I'm talking about this and it's making me realise how much I miss it. I haven't really had a good solid session in flow for a while. (laughs) You know, everything that I've created is catching up on content and things like that. And that's not to say that that I can't flow when I'm creating content. But it's a different, it's a different kind of thing. Yeah, because of values. See, like the value for creating content is that I want to demonstrate something and I want it to be clear and I want it to be inspiring. Whereas when I'm just on my own, I don't have to worry about those things. You know, I'm fully, my my vessel is fully open and yeah. Uh, available for complete use by this energy, this creative energy. And I know that this creative energy, it's, it's just good for us. It provides this amazing escape opportunity um, where unlike many other escapism tools that people use like substances or I don't know, shopping or gossiping. I don't know. There's lots of different things. I'll I'll elaborate a bit on gossiping as an escape in a minute. I better just write that down because otherwise I'll forget or get on a tangent. <laughs> Gossip escape. There we go. Um yeah, this this escape only gives. It doesn't take anything away. It's only constructive which I just think it's, yeah, we need to bring it back. And I'm so intent on empowering people in their own creativity so that they can also provide this information and this encouragement for people in their circle of influence. I really believe this quote, you know, that art, freedom and creativity will change society faster than politics. And you know why? Because art, freedom and creativity changed everything inside of me and this I would sing about this till the day I die because everything changed when I started to see what creativity was really about that it would meet me where I'm at that I didn't have to try to put on a brave face or measure up to anything I didn't even have to judge myself I didn't have to fall under judgment you know that I was completely free and completely celebrated where I was right now in process. That there was a a force at work that was sympathetic to my position and also encouraging me to my feet because there was so much more for me and I could sense that, you know. The possibility just became limitless. I couldn't... Um, imagine anything making me feel stuck when I'm in that space. And what could we accomplish if we harboured that energy continually? If we focused on, yeah, making space for that energy to come in and restore, uh, restore function 
some functions that have never actually been activated because of confusion since, you know, probably early childhood. There are so many things that happen, you know, when we're so small because of our precious little consciousness being so vulnerable, so sensitive, so alive and things happening around us and to us that we don't even know where to put that. It's just shocking. You know, I was just thinking this morning, it's funny, and it might not seem like such a big thing, but I think it illustrates well what I'm talking about, the difference in consciousness and why so much trauma happens to us when we're young. Um, Yeah, I was thinking about uh, a camp that I went on. I was part of a Pathfinders club, which is kind of like, you know, scouts and stuff like that. Um, And my brother, I would have been about eight or nine years old, I think. And my brother was the first to try out a flying fox. He put his hand up. They just created this flying fox. We're on a camp up in the bush somewhere. And he put his hand up to go on this flying fox and they had not thought it through properly. And he went whizzing down and smashed into a tree and bit a hole in his cheek. So I just remember being in shock that this had happened to my older brother. And while I'm standing there, everyone's standing there looking, you know, no one had said, all right, give him some space, come away over here, kids or whatever. And I'm just saying, just blurting out whatever fears coming up for me, like, is he going to need stitches? Does he have to go to hospital? You know, because my little eight-year-old brain is panicking, like, what's going to happen to my brother? Is he okay? You know, and I could see, in hindsight, I could see that the leaders were worried that my panicking was going to make him panic because he was in shock. And one of the leaders told me, a man um, told me, and can you go check if the billy's boiled on the fire back at camp? You know, this was probably a few minutes walk away from our camp. And a billy is an Aussie thing. It's... um. Just a tin, a large tin that you poke holes in the top, you hammer holes in the top of the tin and just put some wire through and you can boil water in that. That's just, <laughs> that's what we had, like a big Milo tin or something like that. Anyway, so I go back to the fire and I'm in shock and I actually start crying because it was weird. It was weird that he asked me to go check if the billy was boiling. I felt dismissed and I felt unseen you know, and I was worrying about my older brother. So I'm in tears going back to the fire. And when I got back to the fire and saw there was no Billy there, I just burst into tears fully because I realised that this was a um, a scheme, <laughs> you know, this was a strategy and I understood it, but I felt dismissed, you know, and all of these really weird feelings while I was standing there by myself, little girl, just watched my brother bite a hole in his cheek. There's blood everywhere. I don't know what's going on. And now I'm alone standing at the fire, just really confused that I had somehow made more of a mess of things and had to be sent away. You know, all of these feelings like so embarrassed and ashamed, but also worried, you know, 
And it's not till now that I can fully understand both sides of it. So I think as parents and anyone, I guess, who works with children, it's so important to remember that space you know, and, and I think it's it's hard because we've got so much to think about. We've got so much to, um, to, to plan and orchestrate and we're kind of in our own head in this system kind of way of thinking that we forget uh, that vulnerable landscape of consciousness where children are. I don't remember anyone even talking to me after the event and patching that up for me. It was just something that was left floating, you know, that I just had to, uh, I guess I would have just suppressed it because, like, what else am I going to do? But, you know, it's all of these, all of these things, and I know that people have had traumas way worse than that, and I'm not discounting anyone else's trauma. I'm just, this was just a, a thought that I had this morning, a memory that I had when I woke up. And I actually had a little cry about it, not, not in sorrow for myself, but just thinking through that beautiful landscape of consciousness and, and what happens to it and why have we become so opposing to that in the way that we deal with each other and deal with children. That was my sorrow. So, yeah, the last membership class that I made last week was about how to use art to process pain because it's all of these events, all of these little traumas, whatever degree, they all accumulate, especially when they're not, you know, there's no talking through, there's no one to say, um, it's so it's so precious of you to be worrying about your brother. It's going to be okay. We'll look after him. He's okay. Um, you know what I mean? There's just this accumulation of all this confusion and it causes us to question our self-worth and start to fear that, well, I'm, I'm afraid, but if I speak about this, am I going to be offensive to what's going on you know am I going to be making it worse and so we just stop stop talking and we keep just pushing it down and suppressing it until one day we just explode <sighs> yeah so art using art to process your pain it's the accumulation of all this stuff that stops us from <sighs> growing <laughs> refining ourselves it stops us growing because we're kind of stuck in that fight or flight freeze part of our brain which you can't be in both sides at the same time you can't be growing and stuck in fight flight freeze at the same time did you know that you know and this is you can look it up I probably should have in preparation but see I couldn't prepare talking about it because I didn't know I was going to talk about that (laughs) I'm out living here. So, yeah, it it kind of spirals out and this is the problem. Like one thing leads to another and it keeps spiralling out and before we know it we don't know how to handle things anymore. We don't know how to see ourselves anymore. And this is a real problem because not not only are we not 
available to contribute from that unique, very valuable gifting that is at our core. But we're also just part of the panic, part of the um, the desperate attempt to to get back some kind of control. And this often leads to people behaving in not very nice ways to each other, which is just creating more trauma and so it cycles on. So, yeah, using art is very powerful because uh, lots of times in processing this pain, it's, it's about just knowing it and sitting with it, not resisting, allowing all of the thoughts associated with this to come up you know, allowing it to come up and feeling it thoroughly, feeling it, knowing it, knowing all of the implications, allowing the um, the mourning of this, you know, and I've, I've experienced this with art where I've felt angry and jealous and, you know, and loss too, like, and I've got to mourn something, I've got to act out of this so that I can move through it. And I think if if we don't do this in a safe space like art, then we do it on people and we just create more, you know, more drama, more trauma, more mess. So I really recommend getting a piece of paper, especially if you're feeling really difficult feelings right now. And even if you've just got... I don't know, like pencils or some charcoal or some ink or, you know, if you've got a few things, that's awesome because it just gives you more kind of expression. But just feeling those feelings and embodying the feelings in action onto that paper, using those feelings um, as fodder for description, you know, I'm going to describe this. What colour is this feeling? What colour do I feel like throwing at this paper? you know, and using your fist to, to smash it and, and I don't know, like whatever movement you need. Maybe it's just really sad morning kind of strokes of something on the paper over and over again while you just let your tears fall onto it. Whatever it is, I've, I've just felt a real powerful shift using art to process the pain and it's it's not about creating beautiful art this is not this is not the focus of this action it's just using art to provide a solid terrain for you to move through and know these feelings and express these feelings so that you can get to the other side of them and when you do that you become a supercharged empath you become almost, uh, it's like you become almost invincible in a way because uh, the that, that suffering won't intimidate you the same way anymore because you just know you just need to move through it. It's not anything that you practice resistance on, if that makes sense. So I think in this way we can process pain without hurting other people and and also start to allow layers to lift off of ourselves because the more that we push things down and suppress it and resist, we get these calluses, these layers of, of hardening, 
you know, and our hearts become hard because we don't want to feel pain, you know, but then we cut, we also cut ourselves off from pleasure too. You know that like when you numb yourself from pain, you numb yourself from pleasure and you're made to feel, you're made to feel. You feel beautifully when you allow yourself to and feeling those feelings actually upgrades you into more of what you're made to be and there's so much value that's going to flow out of that for people in your whatever circles in your family in in your friends you know we can't help but transform and yeah that's what my heart's set on my heart is set on transformation for myself and for anyone who hears my voice who hears my story who hears uh yeah, my angle, my take on things, whatever that is, it's all coming, it's all working together to create a very powerful transformation, which I hope is going to ripple out. So back to Victor Pinchuk, the Ukrainian billionaire businessman. He also said, What is extraordinary about contemporary art is the energy. It has our energy, new energy. Pieces hundreds of years old are beautiful from an aesthetic point of view, but without our modern energy. And I think this is a really important um, aspect as well because energy should always be evolving. And this is why, you know, art to process pain, you you process that old pain so that you can birth that new thing, whatever's new that needs to come out, because you've got the ability now to connect back with the the source, you know, to connect back with, with the divine energy that just wants to bring us to our purpose, to our highest function. New energy. How good does it feel? Do you know this? Can you remember the last time that you felt new energy flow through? It's a new song, you know, and and you kind of feel that aspect of being part of something so much bigger. Well, you're actually acting aligned with the universe and, you know, universe means one song this is what Michelle from Echo Circle keeps reminding me, and I'm so grateful. Universe, one song, one song. And, and I really believe that when, we, when we're in flow and we're giving birth to this new energy that comes flowing out of those, those moments when we are truly in flow, that we, we, it's like we're singing. It's like we're singing a very unique song that is in perfect harmony with other people who are doing the same thing. We don't have to try to line up, you know. That's the thing. It's so efficient. It's so efficient. We don't have to look at, you know, trying to be in line with other people. Like that's kind of what system has forced onto us, this idea that we've got to keep looking to the right and to the left and checking our measure and seeing if we're seeing if we're okay, are we in line, checking all the rules and, you know, there's so much energy and focus that goes into this 
oh, this analysis of, of whether we're okay or not, you know? So when we just fall in love with this natural evolution of um, transformation, developing ourselves, developing ourselves emotionally, because a lot of the problem in the world is due to emotional immaturity. Whenever you've got people who are taking what's not theirs and trying to dominate everybody, this is immature emotion and it's uh, <clears throat> it's an ignorance of what life really is, you know. It's, it's ignorant of the one song and the part that we each have to play with that. And it's amazing because... Yeah, I'm just thinking it through now that when we when we know our part to sing in this one song, it's everything to us. We don't need anything else. We are completely satisfied and there's more than enough and we're living out of an overflow so that whoever hasn't, for whatever reason, got to know their song yet, We've got this overflow to to fill up their spaces and to stand in the gap for them and, you know, and, and lift them to their feet. So I hope this is making sense. I just, yeah, okay, I'm looking at my note about gossiping as an escape. <laughs> well, this is actually part of emotional immaturity because gossip is entwined with judgment. It's And, and it's not a good judgment. I think there are... There's, there's good judgment and bad judgment, well, unhelpful judgment. There's constructive judgment and destructive judgment, and that's what gossiping is. It's destructive. It is, uh, yeah, so, so dis- destructive judgment is the kind of judgment that stops you right where you are mid-process and says, right, it's time to measure you now according to what I think is important. Like how scary is that? We kind of get numb to that idea, I think, through schooling because we we have that coming at us over and over again. Right, stop, time to measure you. <laughs> and when I'm going to compare you to everybody else uh, with the value, the set of values that I think are most important. So when we gossip about people, we're, we're magnifying a tiny little aspect of somebody's perception of that person. And I say perception because we can't know the full story. Nobody can know the full picture. Gossiping is kind of acting like you know the full story and like, oh, get this, rah, 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 rah. <gasps> like it's it's feeding off sensationalism of this lie that somebody knows the full story and it's like you know, how sensational, <laughs> this intrigue. And <laughs> I, I think that it's it's really misplaced creativity and it becomes destructive in this sense. If, if someone was really firing on their part of the song to sing, they wouldn't have time to even be worrying about other people or retelling their stories or acting as if they know the whole story. It just isn't part of the mentality, you know, because if you're, if you're in your creativity, you are completely employed there. And whatever comes out of you is all 
what's the word? It's all empowered by this um, this this energy of of growth and love, which there has to be mercy for growth and love. There must be mercy. You can't not have mercy if you want something to grow and expand. So can you see, like, when you gossip, like, where's the mercy in that? So not only is it um, potentially stopping other people from, from growth, but you're also stopping yourself and you're empowering the fear of judgment in your own experience, your own life experience. Like, the more that you judge other people, it, it comes back into your consciousness as, as a thing, you know, so that when you come to do anything creative, it's this thing, you know, that you've empowered to be there through your practice of it. So if there's, yeah, I just, if there's any kind of gossiping happening in your experience, whether it's from you, I'm not judging you, I have all the mercy, but I do want to just say this, that it will stop you from knowing yourself. And it'll stop you from understanding how precious you are because we can't, we can't damn somebody that way without doing it to ourselves too. So do you see how, yeah, this, why this quote resonated with me so much? It's just everything, art, freedom and creativity, you know, and when I say art, I don't just mean painting and stuff. It's art like music and dance and all kinds of, all forms of expression. Art's the one that I practice the most, so that's at the forefront of my speaking about it. But, you know, coming back to using art to process pain, if you were to do it with with dance, with your body, then you put on sounds that, that are um, in line with that, with the feeling that you're feeling you know, and, and you move your body in response to the feelings so that you can know them and feel them and, and cry into that or scream or whatever you need to do, but use that mode to move through it. If you sing, that's a really powerful one. If, if you sing and you play an instrument, it would be so powerful and wonderful just to start if you don't already, <laughs> to start improvising just to, um, yeah, embody this suffering that you're feeling. Just to, yeah, sit down at, you know, I'm thinking of the piano because that's what I play. I like to sit down at the piano and just find find a series of chords and it doesn't have to be very, you know, complex. Like just two or three chords is fine. And just play with those notes and use your voice to interact not only with the notes but also with your feelings and find melodies that, that entwine around these, these chords to, um, yeah, to express. Do you see? There's so many ways to do this. And what I love about it so much is that when you do that, you provide a shortcut for other people who are having, maybe having difficulty in doing this with their own pain. You know, it's like 
a language, a very complex and efficient language that comes out of you that gives them an ability to articulate, you know, to recognise what's going on in them too. And it gives them, it lends them the same terrain that you've used to process pain. And how beautiful is that? Because then we know that we're not alone and that means everything to us <laughs> to not just be isolated. This is part of the, the trauma of suffering is that we're immediately isolated. Like me standing by the fire realising that I've been had. <laughs> when I actually needed someone to explain to me, I'm just there totally alone with this travesty for me that's gone on just, you know, a couple of hundred metres away. It's the isolation that really gets you, that you're left alone just wondering and, and left alone in that shame. And it's when, it's when you're alone in shame, I think that's when a lot of the damage is done. I talked in my class for the membership just about the importance of having a sympathetic witness when you've got somebody to understand what you've been through, when you've got somebody to listen and say, oh, I don't know how you're still here functioning so well, you know? <laughs> somebody to listen and, and not judge you, not have advice unless you want it, um, but just to sit there feeling it with you, to hold your hand as you walk that terrain, you know, to um, validate your reaction or your responses to what happened. Yeah, the sympathetic witness. But, you know, you can do that to yourself. That's what I've found recently is that I, yeah, if I'm feeling really isolated, I can actually kind of and just <laughs> hold on here, <laughs> um, duplicate inside myself to become a parent and child, you know, to, to kind of connect with those two aspects of myself, the parent and the child. And, and use the, the inner parent to witness the child. It might be the other way around, but I, that has never happened to me. Yeah, but using the parent to witness the child and it's not even really words that the child needs. They just need presence and they need acceptance and the security of, yeah, the presence and the acceptance and the mercy. You know, and I, I kind of go into my soul space. I shut my eyes and I imagine those two aspects of me interacting in a way that is so merciful and loving and accepting. And just that in itself, you know, I start to um, flood the cells of my body with this beautiful relief. You know, when you've been feeling suffering in isolation, you've got this this awful energy that has hijacked your system, you know, your bio biological system, and, and your system actually thinks that you're, that, you know, that you're going through that horrible thing over and over again and it's re reacting in the same way and you've got all the cortisol and everything that's going on as if it is actually happening and all that stress, well, you know that that's really bad for your health. It's destructive, you know. So to use 
your imagination. This is what I mean by soul space. When I go into my soul space, it's using my imagination. I shut my eyes and I become those two parts of myself. And I use the parent, the big arms of the parent to cradle the child and to say, it's okay, I'm not going to leave you. I, I understand. Well, I mean, I don't even say those words. I just kind of feel it. I breathe it. I breathe that onto the child and I feel my whole body flood with relief and, oh, it's really just love, you know, and then the love, the feeling of the love that washes over me, it, it brings a relief to all the cells of my body. I'm getting shivers talking about it. So it, it, I, I let it flood over me and wash over me and I, I try to stay there. I try to stay there and allow the picture in my mind to keep, to keep going however it needs to. And I honestly um, have experienced a divine collaboration when I do this too. It's like um, sometimes the picture starts developing, you know, and it's not me doing it. <laughs> it's not me because if you're imagining something, you're kind of a step ahead of yourself. But when this happens to me, I'm, I'm a step behind and I'm observing something going on. And when I think about that picture, that vision, you know, and I, I keep um, digging into what actually happened and what it means for me, lots of times there's something very extraordinary. There's extraordinary messaging that comes through that helps me to understand things in a whole different way. You know, a different um, aspect of it gives me a big perspective shift, which is exactly what I need. And it's encouraging, you know, and encouragement is, you know, building up courage in somebody. And how much do we need that? <laughs> oh, I've had visions like this that have shook me to my core so much so that for three days I just have a big smile on my face and I can't even talk to anyone about it because it's too wonderful, you know. Like we don't know what we've got. This is the thing. Like we've got so much more than what we know. We have got access to something that wants our greater good, you know, that is reaching for us right now, that if we just understand how to stop panicking and open ourselves to this, this very brilliant loving merciful force then we would experience things that can help us transform and move to the next level and not be stuck anymore and not hurt other people and be there for other people for their healing instead of being part of the chaos oh so this is why art freedom and creativity will change society faster than politics because any other thing that we use to change it just becomes another part of the the fight you know something to fight over this is interesting I just watched um an old movie I think it was made in 1980 called the gods must be crazy and you can watch it on Disney plus the gods must be crazy um and it's brilliant for depicting this issue that we have with society the way that we've tried to make things more convenient and we've made all these things you know and and it's things to own 
Whereas the way that we're created to be, we're not made to own things. We're made to just be together and, and help each other and, you know, live in uh, alignment with our environment instead of trying to overtake um, or dominate the environment, you know, and, and then feel like we're being inconvenienced by the natural things that go on. <sighs> yeah. So if you haven't watched that movie, I watched it when I was young and I didn't fully understand it. So it was really interesting to go back and watch it now. And even if you don't watch the whole thing, like even just the first half hour is enough to, um, yeah, to understand what I'm trying to express here. It's beautiful. We weren't made to own things. Made to just own our own development, really, and develop ourselves to pour out for each other, to live out of the overflow. Yeah, so I think I've got to the end here. Let me know. Let me know if you have any questions or um, any kind of response. I've had several emails come through um, over the last couple of months with people saying how much certain aspects of the podcasts have um, impacted them and that just is so encouraging to me and I'm so grateful. So thank you. Um, thank you for listening to the end too. <laughs> I love doing this with you. Also, if anyone comes to mind, please share it. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I love all of it. I love community. Let's, let's build and let's share what is powerful to us, not just my stuff, but whatever you find that that gives you that impact that gives you that um that new way of seeing that's something to share right this is how we're going to change society and i really believe it thank you um yeah if you've got also any requests that's also what i was going to say if you've got any requests of anything you'd like me to talk about i would love to hear that too bye for now lots of love peace on your heart peace on your home Actually, one more thing. If you're interested in joining the Art to Heal a Heart membership, I only just realised this week that it's been one whole year that I've been creating a class a week for the membership to help us heal our hearts. <laughs> so in celebration, I have opened enrolment. So you have an opportunity to enrol now and the next opportunity won't be until the end of April. So, yeah, hit the link in the notes and, yeah, come celebrate with us.